You're listening to the Course Creation Bites podcast, bite-sized lessons for busy business owners creating, launching, and selling their own course. Each week, you'll get short, practical lessons that focus on one part of your online course creation journey and an easy action step to go away and implement. Here's your host, Sam Winch, the course creator, not the lunchtime food. Let's get started. In this episode, we're going to be talking all things legals and terms and conditions. Hi, I'm Sam Winch, the course creator, not the lunchtime food. And as I mentioned in this episode, we're talking all things legal. Well, when I say we, I'm not. I'm the first to admit that I am not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant. And when it comes to building a really good course, I always strongly recommend that you get the right advice from the right people. I'm trained in learning design and development. I'm great at building course content and advising on strategy and structure and all those sort of things. And I've got quite a wealth of experience in the online business world now. And so when it comes to things like marketing and strategy for that too, I'm happy to throw my hat into the ring. But I am the first to admit that when it comes to the legalities of your course, I am not the go-to genius for this. But I have the wonderful Emma Houston, who's going to take over this episode for me. She is a lawyer. She's come from the traditional lawyer corporate path. You'll find all of her bio details down below. But what you need to know now is she's the founder and principal of The Remote Expert and specializes in things like selling online and online courses and programs. So I will let her take it from here. Hi, I'm Emma Houston. I'm founder and principal lawyer of The Remote Expert, which is a virtual law firm. And as founder and principal lawyer, I'm also a lawyer. And you're probably thinking, oh, a lawyer. And look, I see lawyers give their elevator pitch to potential clients and they say things like, I help people with their terms and conditions, which is true. But, you know, I think every lawyer does that. What I want to go further with is to let you know that I help people with their online businesses. And in particular, I do a lot of work around online courses, and that's what I'm going to be chatting to you about today, about getting that online course right and getting the terms and conditions right, because I know what it's like not to know not where the next client's coming from, um, that sick feeling in your stomach about whether you made the right move launching that course. Um, and people sort of say, well, that's a hobby. No one's going to buy that course. Uh, I know what that's like from the background. I've got my own online business. And today I want to talk to you about setting up terms and conditions for your online course. Now, when you start an online course, you can get really caught up with shiny objects um, around, you know, building that course out, looking for the right platform, all that really kind of sexy, exciting stuff. Um, And someone says legal terms and conditions and you're like, what? There are some common problems. And and today I thought I'd hone in on five really common problems I see. When people start an online course, and you want to make sure you think about this at the start because you don't want it to derail your course. So the first thing you want to do is get people, once you've built your course, of course, is getting people to sign up for your course, getting paid and making sure that you don't have all these people asking you for refunds. So I speak to a lot of people each week about what they offer with their online courses. Some of them offer money back guarantees or monthly payment plans. 
And when they've got a really high ticket course, it can make it easier for their clients to commit to their program. But if it's not done correctly, it can come back to bite them. My clients tell me that sometimes people join their program and then after a month, when the second payment has come out, they request that their money be refunded or they want to withdraw from the course. And by then, they might have seen all the content. In fact, they might have downloaded and copied all the content. So it's becoming increasingly common for course creators to offer 14 or 30-day money-back guarantee. And during this time, uh, the course creators will restrict access to all of the content. They will only give access to the introductory topics. Um, and for this reason, you know, I recommend if you're going to do that, that you do restrict access to the whole of the course because that protects your intellectual property. And you need to make it clear to people that they're not going to see the whole of the content until they're, they've almost gone unconditional um, when their cooling off period or their money back guarantee period is over. And that leads you to the other problem. I mean, when people buy a course, you know, it's, it's sort of like buying a bike and then not riding it and then complaining that you're not fit. When speaking about terms and conditions, you know, you, you shouldn't make guarantees that you can't come because someone might buy your course and never open it, never do the work. So it's really hard for you to promise outcomes when everyone is different and you don't know what work they'll put into it. And a lot of the work required is self-guided work from uh, the people who are buying your course. The next thing I want to chat to you about is online course price points and when you should offer installments. So I draft terms and conditions for people who take all their money up front um, and don't offer instalments, as well as people who do offer instalments. And usually the guiding factor of when someone will take instalments or offer that larger kind of longer payment plan is the price point of the course. So anything, say $500 and under, I usually say to my clients, you should just try and get the money up front because you don't want that spread out because administratively it becomes really difficult to try and take small payments frequently. But if it's around, you know, 1500 two or 3000 or even 5000 I think the biggest course I've done is a $20,000 annually course. And of course, people are going to be taking installment payments for that. So you, you do need to think about that. And if you are taking installment payments, don't be afraid to charge extra for them. You're going to have administrative work with bookkeepers and some people might disappear and not pay you. I think carefully, it's not a bad thing if you do offer upfront installment plans, but think whether you need to for your particular price point. The next thing I want to talk about is privacy and selling your course overseas. I'm based in Australia. Um, most of my course terms I do are Australia, but I have clients with online courses who have worldwide audiences. Um, and for that reason, your terms and conditions, though they say Australia is the guiding law or the governing law where all the decisions are made, it does need to cover international obligations 
And a really good example of this is the GDPR or General Data Protection Regulation Privacy Rules, which are part of the European Union. And they're just that little bit more sort of full on than the, the privacy laws we have in Australia. I always think it's a good idea to draft it for the most full on variety. So when you get clients from Europe, from the UK, from America, that you, you know, you can service them and they're going to be okay doing your course. So you, your terms must cover how your course participants' information is kept private, how you'll deal with their payment information and how that payment information is stored. And this is particularly the case if you collect sensitive information like birth dates and other information that could be used for identity fraud. And not to mention, you, you're probably taking payments through a third-party gateway like Stripe or PayPal. So you want to reassure people you are not going to sell their details on or misuse their information. And you also want to be covered in the event that if someone does get hold of the information, you're not liable, even though you've taken reasonable steps to prevent it happening. And while most people like to think that breaches of privacy won't happen to them, the reality is if that are you are using a third-party technology, such as another platform, you don't own that platform and there will always be a degree of risk. It is far better to have solid terms of use in place that inform the course participant of what you do, what you don't do, and what you're responsible for if there's been a breach of privacy. And the next thing I want to talk about is enforcement. You know, if, if things go wrong, can you enforce your terms of you? Chances are 95% of your clients will come along, do your course, they'll pay you, you won't have an issue. But it's that 5% that cause you the problem. So it's wise to ensure um, that what you include in any terms of use covers your specific course and your business. Some of the platforms have sample terms of use, but each online course is different in its composition and that directly impacts how your terms of use should be written. Imagine putting together terms of use that are not enforceable because the wording is incorrect or leaves out one component of what you do. Online course creators rarely anticipate that people will ask for refunds or renege on monthly installments. And dealing with these matters for you can be a big energy suck time-wise and also mood-wise. You really just want something that's enforceable. And then if someone asks for a refund, you might have the discretion to say, yes, that's understandable. They've, they've come down with an illness. I believe them. Here's your money back. But if you don't want to say that, if you want to say, no, look, you bought this course six months ago. You haven't opened it. Don't tell me you're sick now. I'm not going to give you your money back. You want to be able to do that. And the final thing I'm going to be chatting about today, although there's, there is so much more usually in terms of use, is a disclaimer about using a third-party platform. Now, what is a third-party platform? It's a platform that you don't own. So a lot of course creators use platforms like Kajabi or Teachable or LearnDash to name but a few to host their courses. And this often includes integrations with payment processes like PayPal or Stripe and other software like email marketing. While you may not think any of these platforms are susceptible to risk, recent history certainly tells us that they are. Any product or platform you use for your course delivery can potentially be hacked. And while it may sound rare, the reality is that you need disclaimers in your course terms and conditions 
if this were to happen to protect your business, imagine if your students went to log on to Kajabi or Thinkific and it had disappeared and they couldn't do what you'd sold them. Now, yes, you need a plan B. You need to keep all the course material, but you also need clauses in your terms of use that in the event a platform fails or disappears overnight entirely, or there is a breach of privacy as a result of the technology you use, that you need to be protected for that, that you'll use your best efforts, but you can't guarantee that. And there might even be a case, for example, where you know your course is delivered through email and a Facebook group and a participant finds themselves banned from Facebook for some reason that's not you, not related to you. And I've been banned from Facebook for five days. And that happened after I went to put an ad up on my business account and Facebook thought, hang on, we need to verify who this person is. Seven days later, I got back on Facebook after providing identification and not being able to access my business page. Now, if I was doing um, an online course and I'm part of some online Facebook groups that I couldn't access during that time as well, um, and it would have meant, you know, I, I missed whatever was going on in those groups. And you don't want to be liable if that happens to one of your students. So these are just some of the common issues I see online course creators facing at the moment. And I encourage you to put these tips into action and avoid some of the common online course creators, things I see too often. And a big thank you to Emma for taking us through those things. Now, remember, it's time for your action step because you can't do anything by listening to us talk about it. You actually have to go in, do something. So today, my advice is to go away and really look at your terms and conditions. If you have some already, look back at some of the things Emma mentioned. Do you have clear payment terms? Do you have refund policies and conditions? Do you meet the international standards that you might be needing to meet? Go back through the episode, make a list of some of the things she mentions and look at your own terms and conditions and see if they fit. If you don't have terms and conditions, well, this is your timely reminder that you probably should. And of course, as always, the best thing to do is to reach out to an expert, remembering I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a legal expert in any way, shape or form, but when it comes to the legalities of your course and getting it right, the best thing you can do is reach out to an expert. Emma is one of those, and I will make sure I leave all of her contact details in the show notes below. And if not, you can search for Emma Houston, the remote expert, and she will look after you all the way. Okay, it's time for all of those podcasty bits If you've loved this episode, share it with your friends or just tell random people about it. Stop them in the street. Okay, don't stop them in the street. But please do share it with your friends, especially if you think they will find it helpful. Make sure that you have subscribed so that you get access to all of the future episodes. And better still, leave a review. Podcast reviews are like gold. So I would really appreciate it if you took a couple of moments and leave a review with your thoughts and takeaways from this podcast episode. Lastly, why not come over and join my free Facebook group? Simply search Content Into Courses inside Facebook. There's some good interaction that happens on over there. I'm in and out on a regular basis to answer all of your questions and to give some live tips and tricks. And you get to learn from other course creators about all the things you can do to grow your course and your audience. That's it for this time. But as always, I will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.